welcome to Run With Purpose. This is episode number 74. And for those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad that you found this podcast. Would love if you would subscribe. And as always, you can reach out to me on all the socials at flores.run. Assuming Instagram removes soft blocks and you can actually contact me, but that's a whole different issue that we've talked about way too many times. Uh, today's guest, um, as you guys know, I'm kind of getting into to reels and that sort of thing. And and we talked about before we started recording as we do this research, I just spent hours on reels and, uh, and just call it research for business. But I, I came across today's guest on Instagram Reels. She's creating really cool and interesting content about animals and conservation and really just everything around there. They're, they're really, really awesome. They're funny. And she's also the a creator and host of Keeper Talks with Kiki. Kiki, thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah, I think yeah. it's going to be, we're going to have a fun conversation. We talked about right before that we uh, purposely did not go into your background or your story or any of that stuff. So we can have a a nice fresh conversation, but maybe yeah. let the uh, let the guests know a little bit about uh, yourself and just you know a little high level story. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a science communicator. I've been in that field for about four years now, and I'm just really passionate about teaching people about animals and getting them connected back to that kind of childhood love for animals that I believe everybody has. And then I do that pretty much through videos or graphic designs, podcasts, or in-person wildlife presentation or interpretation. And uh, yeah, that's basically what my life has been about as just teaching about animals. And that's what I love. So, so the, the kind of going into animals, obviously we all, like you said, this child life, childlike, uh, I don't say obsession. That sounds like a bad word, but really obsession with animals. We all loved animals growing up. Like you would, whether it's household pets or animals you'd see on movies or whatever, we're always like infatuated with that. So how did you kind of turn that, that childlike enthusiasm into like a job, if you will? Yeah. So for me, it was never really a question of if I was going to, I actually, as a four-year-old started watching a show called um, Zoo Life that was hosted by Jack Hanna. And I was just in awe of the number of animals that there were out there. And I was like, well, naturally I had to learn about all of them. They're amazing. And so I just like fell into it and I was like, they're awesome. They're everywhere. There's so many different types and colors and species and everything. And I want to learn everything that I can about all of them. And so from the age of four, that's when I started getting birthday gifts of like encyclopedia of animals and like just all the zoo books and everything like that when I was growing up and I just always wanted to be a zookeeper when I was growing up. And I actually went and did that for a little bit. And then through that discovered, I love talking to people about animals. Like I love seeing somebody who was just bored of an animal suddenly get excited about it and be like, Oh, actually that's really cool. And he'd be like, yes, it is. And then just like <laughs> loving that kind of education aspect of it and just getting people passionate. And um, yeah, so that was kind of, a rough outline of how I got here, I guess, but it's always what I wanted to do. Yeah. That's, that's so great. Cause you hear so often we we're we have these ideas and dreams as children and they basically come to is like, you can't do that because you're not going to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, being able to kind of follow your passion and be able to do wow. the thing that you love because it, it obviously shows through the videos. Like I said, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to plug your videos this entire episode wow. because they're just, they're like, they're funny and entertaining. Like, and I think, I think that's what makes like a good, 
a TikTok or Instagram reel is the idea like I can literally just watch it on repeat and every single time I'm like, that's just so funny or it's so relevant or it's so interesting, like the different pieces of it. How did you kind of get into that mindset of wanting to share in, in that kind of format? You mean like the format of reels? Yeah. Or like, yeah, like I guess short video format, if you will, because obviously you like you said as a zookeeper, you then realize yeah. you like kind of talking to people about animals and kind of getting them excited about things. Well, obviously this is a little different kind of way yeah. of doing that. Yeah. I think uh, what triggered it for me was seeing a couple people um, who I uh, mainly one guy who his name's Brandon and he's a keeper at Australia reptile park. And we had connected with each other on Instagram. And I saw that he was doing these short fact videos with the animals at the Australian reptile park. And I loved the way that he was doing it. And at the time I was working for a zoo in Atlanta and I was, I messaged him and I was like, I love how you're doing these like fast, like fast fact videos with these animals. Um, could I do something like that and kind of like mimic what you're doing? Cause I like how quick and like quippy it is and it keeps people really engaged and they're just learning a ton about an animal in about 30 seconds and then it's over. And like, that's the whole video. And he was like, Oh, absolutely go crazy with it. So I pitched it to my bosses and then it became a thing. And I got to write the copy for all of those episodes. I got to plan which animals we talked about in them and include like a conservation message. And I just had so much fun with it. Like I just loved having the challenge of getting out as many facts as I could in 30 seconds and presenting the animal in like a fun and fast way that kept people engaged. And so I think that was the kind of turning point for me towards virtual programming and more like um, video wildlife presentation where I was like, this is so much fun and I'm really comfortable in front of a camera and a lot of people aren't. Mm. So since I'm passionate and I am comfortable in front of the camera, I need to use this to reach people because this is like, I mean, there's no limit on the number of people you can reach through a video that's on social media. It can go to the ends of the earth. Like it can just run. So yeah, I think that's kind of how I got to that point. And, um, I like to thank my friend Brandon for inspiring me <laughs> with that. Cause he, he, um, definitely <laughs> caused that turning point for me. Yeah. You, you made mention of like Jack and the idea of being on camera. And I think that's where that, that kind of helped him because he was also very comfortable being oh. on camera and it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of people aren't meant for both pieces. It's like, Hey, I can be super knowledgeable and stuff like this, but let me just tend to my animals. <laughs> let me, wow. let me just do this piece. And, you know, and the funny thing about that is I grew up, Jack Hanna was the initial person who inspired me to work with animals. And then I grew up watching Steve Irwin, you know, the crocodile hunter. And throughout that time of watching them, I was always like, yeah, I want to be like them. I want to be a zookeeper. But I didn't realize both of them have backgrounds in zookeeping, um, like did zookeeping when they were growing up and all and getting into getting into the field. But their actual job is being a science communicator. And I didn't even know that that was a job. So I grew up thinking, oh, I'm going to be a zookeeper and I'm going to like just care for the animals. And that's what these people do. And it wasn't until I was actually in that field where I realized they're not zookeepers. Like they're passionate animal lovers who are trying to make other passionate animal lovers. Like that is, that's what their job is, is like teaching people. And I was like, well, heck, like that's what I actually want to do this whole time. I thought I wanted to do zookeeper work, but it's funny sometimes and you grow up like just how your perceptions of different jobs mm. changes. Like I literally didn't even realize that was a job 
and it's what I was watching the whole time I was growing up. I'm like, oh, like that's what they were actually doing. So, so, so yeah. like as as a zookeeper, what were like what were the responsibilities? That just fascinates me because I've, I've it's been a while since I've been to the zoo. But I mean, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and like our zoo is Jack's Zoo, so it's like. Well, obviously, that's why when you say Jack, I'm like, oh yeah, Jack and I are like best buds. I've never, my my wife has a picture with him. That's about as much as I can say what it is. But like, how? What is that? What is that whole environment like? Yeah, it's a lot of poop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the main. So much poop of different sorts. And that's like when you start as a zoo. So I was a zookeeper intern at a zoo in um, Wichita, Kansas, and. Like when I started, they, they like tell all the interns, they're like, we hope you make it, but we understand if you don't. Like so many people think that zookeeping is just like, oh, I'm going to hang out with the animals. I'm going to like with them and like cuddle with the red pandas or whatever. And it's like, okay, yes, you get to have a closer relationship to those animals because they get more comfortable with you because you're working with them. But the animals are out in their habitat like 99% of the time. And you're in the inside part of their habitat, like scrubbing poop off the walls, like it's literally it's and it's it is very fulfilling and it is a great like job but i was like you're selling it really well (laughs) i I had some rough days out there man i like i remember multiple times during my internship where i was like this is my low this is as low (laughs) and any part of my career is going to be higher than this because i currently have camel diarrhea all over me (laughs) i can't do it anymore so yeah i was um You know, I, I think it's it's a fantastic career option for people who, like, don't want to work with people. <laughs> I mean, and I think that's, like, a, a, a very common thing is, like, animal people like animals more than they like people. 100%. And, like, I totally understand that. So, I think it's um, I think it's a fantastic, like, job for people who are just, like, so passionate about animals and you want to care for them. And it's the same way that you, like, care for your kids. I mean, a lot of caring for kids is cleaning up their messes and, like cleaning up them and everything. So I think it's great. But for me, who's somebody who's so talkative and likes to see the impact of like my passion being spread to other people, I think it was just not even the long term like make me happy. So I was like, man, I'm always back here, just like scooping the poo. I'm never even talking to anybody. Like, yeah, I love these animals, but this is a lot. So yeah. It's but and, and then it's also a lot of maintenance and making making cool things for the animals to interact with. Like we had otters and we'd always freeze like their favorite toys and ice blocks or like, um, fish and ice blocks. And then you'd like throw it in their habitat and maybe like attacking the ice block and like, try it. so like, that's a really fun part of it too, is making enrichment items for the animals. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's awesome though. But I, I like, I like your switch there of you kind of, you knew you loved animals and you knew you wanted to do something like this, but you knew, you also knew your personality in it and knew that in order for you to get the most out of what it was, you know, if we talk about like this passion of help of teaching people almost, because that's really what you're doing is you're kind of, you're a teacher of animals. Yeah. So it's, it's the whole idea of it, I think is just, um, super inspiring because you, you take, you took something that you, again, you didn't know existed and kind of turned it into basically a career. Like this is what you do for work. So it like, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. It is very cool. And I think that a lot of people grow up wanting to work with animals. Like I've met so, so many people 
who will reach out to me randomly um, or just like come up to me and be like, oh man, I wanted to work with animals as a kid, but I didn't want to be a vet. So I never did. I'm like, that's not, that's not the only option. Like the only options aren't vet or zookeeper. But at the same time, I relate to that because when I was growing up, I thought I could either be a vet or a zookeeper. And I was like, I'm definitely not going to be a vet. Like if I ever had to put an animal down, I would not recover from it. Like I could not handle that. But um, yeah, it's, it's crazy because a lot of people will kind of step in, like would have gone to that keeper internship, would have said, this is not what I want to do. Like this is too much hard labor, too much work out in the sun. Like I'm not talking to people very often. Like this is not what I want to do. And they would just go to a completely different career, like go get a business degree and be an accountant. I don't, I don't know, just like a complete lane change. But I think it's more about taking, I I believe that you have the passions and the skills that you have like the gifts that you have for a reason. And you're supposed to find the way to use them in a way that feels right to you because you don't just have those gifts for no reason. Mm. And you just have to like sit in a cubicle nine to five and like, because you didn't like the first five minutes of an internship you did, you know, you got to just kind of like weave your way through it. And it is hard and it can get expensive at times. So I think that's also a big factor in it, but yeah. It's, it's, I think you, you like hit the nail on the head of basically what the show's the entire, the, our, my entire show is about this idea yeah. of like living your purpose and, and your passion. Yeah. And so many people kind of get caught up in that, whether it's personally, they go to the first day of their internship and just like, I'm not cleaning up poop every single day. Like that's, I, I just wanted to hold the cute baby tiger and that's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to do anything else. I just want to hold the baby tiger. So people then get into that and then go back into kind of default comfortable mode and not realizing that sometimes you have to kind of push yourself a little bit to grow. And it's like, yeah, like, it's a good metaphor for life. Like sometimes you just have to clean up the shit to, to like keep moving forward because that's the the step that it's going to take because you knew what was going to be end. like not having those experiences doesn't make you love animals any less, but it also lets you know like, Hey, I'm actually passionate about teaching and talking about it rather than just taking, you know, you, you have this ability to, to, uh, kind of capture an audience, if you will, with information and display that information that makes sense. Well, if you would have quit the first week of your internship, you wouldn't have gotten that extra knowledge piece of it. And you may have said, you know what, that's just a far off dream that I'll never actually be able to do because of X, Y, and Z. But you kind of saw the bigger picture, which I think a lot of people, a lot of younger people have a hard time in doing because of all of the cultural societal uh, factors that are being thrown at us of like, you need to do these things to define what's successful. Yeah. And I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got is don't take advice from somebody whose life you don't want to have your life look like. Mm. Um, I think that's extremely valuable. Like if, if you're looking at somebody's life and you're not inspired by it at all, it doesn't like, like you don't want to take notes from how they're living your, their life why would you let them be the person who's speaking over how you're going to live your want your life to look like them? Don't take advice from that person. And sometimes obviously advice is going to be like hard to take and things are going to be difficult to do. So it's not saying like, just because you don't like the advice, you should toss it. But if somebody has a life that you admire, seek them out for advice, like mm-hmm. go to them, talk to them, ask them how they got where they're going. But if somebody is, speaking over something and it's not resonating with you. Like they're saying like, I was well, so many people when I was 
up. They're like, you are not going to be a zookeeper. Like you're going to make it to like 12 and you're going to realize like, that's not like a good job. That doesn't pay well. Like mm. I'm 12. What do I care if it pays well or not? Like, let me dream a little, but it's, it's just crazy. Like so many people who they have been spoken to in that same way by other people, maybe when they were growing up, they were passionate about something and the other adults in their life kind of took them away from it. They're going to put that back on you because it's what they know. And I would say if, if they're not living a life that you are inspired by, and if what they're saying to you, it's, it's not resonating. You're like, that doesn't feel true. Toss it, like toss it and keep going forward and trying to figure it out. And like you said, if I had quit early, I mean, I wanted to quit early so bad. I, I can't even tell you. I moved a thousand miles away from home. I did not know a single person in the city. I found my roommate on Craigslist for this internship. She did not kill me. I didn't kill her. That was great. Win. When we FaceTimed beforehand, we were like, oh, I don't know. Are you crazy? I'm not crazy. Are you? But I mean, I was, I was, I got a speeding ticket my second week out there. Oh yeah. I wrecked my car on the way out to Wichita. I totaled my car. I had to buy a new car in a different state and then drive it to Wichita, title it in Wichita. Like literally like, oh yeah. And then I got there and 30 minutes after I got to Wichita, a hailstorm hit my new car. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, If all the signs are saying, Hey, turn back around and go back to the coast. I was like, what I had been doing back home, I had been working at a um, kennel, like a dog boarding kennel, uh, just to get a foot in the door for animal work. I was like, this is not what I want to do long term, but this is the job that has animals involved in it that I can get right now. So that's what I'm going to work. And then the experience that I got there wound up getting me the internship. But yeah, I wanted to quit so bad. I mean, I don't know how many mental breakdowns I had in the first like month of being there. It was super, super hard. I was dating somebody long distance. We broke up while I was out there. And even at one point, my, my internship was six months and I got out there in like May and in August, about half of the interns were leaving to go back to school. And they were like, Oh, are you one of the interns that's going back home for school? Like, are you done in August? And I was like, I really want like, I really want to lie that I didn't commit till November. Like I want out, but I just had to, like, I, I knew number one, that six months was going to look a lot better on my resume than four. So like, that was, I'm like, this is an investment on what my resume is going to look like and what opportunities are going to come from it. And then I just, I had a commitment to the people that I was going to help them out. I had commitment to the, the animals that I was helping during the busy summer season. And I was like, this is the closest I've been to what I'm passionate about. And I'm going to like stick in it and finish it and then see where I go from there. And yeah, it was, it was super hard. And I mean, I'm somebody who absolutely like adores animals. Like they are my, my passion. Like I love them so much. And I like, I wanted to quit all the time. It's, it's not an easy run trying to like dive into your purpose and dig through it, especially when so many people are going to try to pull you away from that and, and tell you that you should just like go to college, finish college, get whatever job or whatever, but you just got to push through it sometimes. And the reward is so great once you do. And, and, and so like developing after that, when you have to go through something like that and you're like, I made it through that. And if I made it through that, I can make it through this. And it just puts a lot of things into perspective too. Yeah. I think, there's lots of good pieces that you said in there. And I think starting what you said at the beginning there, I can't clear my throat. Like this water is not helping my throat today. 
Um, and now, and now Bella hears somebody. This is how this, this is how this game works today. <clears throat> um, but you, you mentioned the idea of like surrounding yourself and, and listening to people that kind of are that you would almost want to shadow in a way, not necessarily the exact items that they're doing. You know, we all have our own passions and, and things that we want to do. But this idea of if, if their life is in shambles and for lack of a better term, like why are you necessarily listening to their advice? Yes, it helps to have some criticism, but a lot of times when people are in, in that kind of position, they're giving criticism out of almost jealousy and kind of wanting that thing and, and kind of putting their own insecurities on you to then hold you back. And like you said, you kind of have to get out of that mindset and understand that, you know, it's not always about how much money you make. It's not always wow. about the, the prestige or the, uh, the credit or any of that stuff that you get. Sometimes it's, I just really love doing what I do. And, uh-huh. and if I can wake up every single day and know that the thing I'm doing is exactly what I feel like I should be doing, and it brings me joy and it just like brings me forward. You know, a lot of people get stuck in this thought of like, uh, I hate the quote of, uh, if you, if you love what you do, you'll never like work a day in your life or something like that. You're like, that's bull because like I work so hard now and I love every bit of it. And I I work harder now than I ever have, but it's, it brings me so much joy because we're bringing value. We're doing things like this, having conversations like this where people are like, Oh wait, I could, I could do that. Like I love animals as well. I thought that that wasn't an opportunity for me or whatever the case might be. Like, I think we can use our experiences. You can use that crap experience you had of wanting to be like, I I want out of here. I'm tired of cleaning up poop, Mm -hmm. the camel diarrhea, like you said, like all of the stuff I want out. But because you kind of persevered through it, obviously it helped to get you where you are now. But at the same time, now you have a story and your story can help help other people that feel stuck that there's no one that understands what I'm going through or haven't. It's like every, there's been a ton of people that have gone through exactly what you've gone through, but it's how you react in those situations and continue and like uh, to push forward is really how you see the difference of how they ended up to how you may end up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big thing for me, was also just like finding people in my field who were my inspiration, kind of like a something to aim for. I don't want to be the next them. I want to be the next me. I want to be myself, but I want to use their kind of path and the way that they navigated as a sort of like driving force. So for me, that helped a lot to find a couple of people who um, were inspiring to me in the way that they were science communicators or wildlife presenters, or when I wanted to be a zookeeper, finding people who were zookeepers, and then looking on their LinkedIn and kind of stalking their job history a bit and being like, where did you start? Like, what were you doing? And then also, I think it's great to look at your kind of dream job every now and then and list out the qualifications that are listed. I mean, mm-hmm. like somebody's hiring for your dream job right now and you can't apply for it right now, but those qualifications can become your goal list. Like, and if you, if you know, like, oh, it requires three years of experience in communication. Okay. Where can I start getting experience in communication? If you are literally volunteering for a company and helping with the communications department, that's on your resume. Like that's experience and that's a step in the right direction. And it's a step towards figuring out, do I even like communication right. or do I hate it? And do I want to like re shift the way that I'm aiming? So, yeah, I think 
it's, it's so valuable to push through those things and then also have goals on the other side. Cause it, it's very hard to push through something that you're going through by yourself. If you feel so alone in it and if you don't know how it's going to pay off, but to kind of get to the other side and be like, these are the people who I'm, I'm aiming towards the way that they're living, the way that they're teaching or um, how they're serving the communities or whatever. That's what I'm aiming towards. And here, here are the qualifications of getting there. And here are some of my steps to get there. And it helps you push through those like really, really rough days of like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? I hate this. And like, just like having that perspective to like make it through another day and have a better day the next day if you can. So yeah, I like yeah, I like that I like that idea of like kind of seeing that dream job and seeing mm-hmm. who's doing the thing that you want to do. Like if this is what you want to do, you know, they obviously there's a not that there's certain steps you can take because we all have our own journey and how we get places, but you can see there's commonalities. If you want to be a star athlete, well, you better put in the work. You need to be working out. You need to be practicing your skill. And that goes literally with anything. You want to start a podcast. Well, it's like, well, you need, you need to be listening to podcasts. You need to be watching podcasts and go, okay, I like this. I don't like that. It's not about like imitating someone and like replicating every single thing they do, but you take pieces from it because there's certain pieces that you can find like this is this is successful to me and i think that's a probably another real big topic talking about your passion and stuff like that is finding what does success look like like for me itself so like when you were going through this idea like i loved animals you're a zookeeper and you're kind of switching the gear how did you kind of keep that success uh definition in your head knowing that this is my version of it i'm not i'm not i may not be the next jack hannah and that's okay yeah yeah i think for me i didn't i didn't take the time to sit down and write out what is my definition of success like what is success for me until uh about two years ago and i like i said i've been in the field for about four years so for a while before I worked with animals, success to me was having a job that worked with animals. That's when I got the kennel tech job. Before that, I worked at Chick-fil-A. That was not, I was working with animals, but dead ones. So that was not the goal. Um, so I, oh man, that's good. I was having that when I quit. I was like, yeah, this is, this is nice, but it's kind of hurting me a little bit. I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't keep doing this. But, um, I still, still love eating there. But, um, uh, so for when I was working there and then I worked at the chocolate shop and I was like, okay, like my goal is to get a foot in the door of the animal work world, like work world. Like whether that's working as a vet tech or whether that's working at an animal shelter or whether that's working at a dog kind of like, I just like looked for any sort of animal related job in my radius and then started to apply, uh, applying to them. And then I got a job as a kennel tech, um, slash receptionist at a job boarding place. And so that was like that definition of success. And then I was like, okay, from here, I want to start working with more exotic animals because right now I'm working with domestics. I want to work with wildlife. So like the next job should be more like exotic based. Then I got the keeper internship. And then I think that was around the time when that ended that I sat down, somebody encouraged me to like define what success is to you. So it's not like success is when I'm a full-time wildlife presenter on like planet earth, like not, not that because you're going to feel sad all the time, but kind of defining a like reasonable goal. And for me, I was like, I want to talk to more people about animals every year. And if every year I'm talking to more people, then that's a successful year. Mm -hmm. That is my success because that's what I want to do. So I think that is like 
huge of just like defining what is a re- like attainable success for you to strive towards every year. And it's going to change, especially when you're like going through college. I mean, your definition of success changes every like four months, depending on what job you're in or what class you like, or like your relationship, like it changes so much, but that's fine. But having a definition of it, like you're saying, is so important to like have that like idea of what success is so that you have some motivation and some validation that you're moving in the right direction and you are getting that like, kind of fulfillment that you're doing things that you define as successful and like, that's encouraging to yourself and like your heart again when you're going through the bad times. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I always like to say you, you do, if you don't know your why, you're never going to know the how to get to that why. Mm-hmm. And that's really your, your oh. success there is if you don't, know what you define as success how will you ever know when you get there and how will you know the route to get there if you actually don't have it defined you you made a good point of just how success changed for you initially it was i needed to get a job with animals and now it's like now i want to reach more people and tell more people every year about animals and that step by step where it's not going to happen overnight you know you're going to have to put the work in and you're going to have to to understand that one step forward is still a step forward it doesn't have to be a giant leap you know, one more thing of whatever it is, one more mm. repetition is more than you did the last time and it's progress. And, and really to say that, even if you, you don't take a, a full step forward, maybe it's a half a step back, it's still progress because you're moving. And I think that's, that's the hard piece there is people can't assume that a step backwards is a failure or, you know, we don't, we don't like that word, but it's still progress. You're still moving. You're not staying still and stagnant. You know, if you stay still, you're basically dying. You're not doing anything. Um, so I always try to like stretch myself and, and understand, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? And after the thing happens or whatever it is, all right, let's reassess and see how this is going. Did that feel good? Was that something I want to do again? Like, no, like, and uh, knowing my personality, the first day they'd be like, hey, you need to clean up this elephant poop. I'm like, it was really great seeing you guys. Can I just get my parking validated? Because I'm, I'm a pretty boy through and through. Like there's, there's like, these hands don't get dirty. Like it's just, and it's just what I know. Like, I know that's me. I'm the guy who pays for literally everything because I can't build anything. Oh, our house needs painted. Who do I need to pay to do that? Because to me, I'm going to have to do it three times and it's still going to look like crap. So it's how do we kind of push through here? But it's funny because my brother, even though we didn't get raised this way, my brother's like Mr. Handyman. Like he builds tables and decks and porches. And I'm just like, good for you, man. Like I couldn't tell you which end of the hammer you need to hit with. Um, but it's, it's always interesting how people can kind of uh, assume this, I need to take these big leaps and I need to do these big things in order to make a difference, not realizing that if we can, if we can make it a difference in our little tiny piece of influence, if you can talk to more people this year than you did last year about animals, that's more people aware of, of things that are going on. Because obviously, and we can talk about this here in, in a moment, the, the, the idea of, animal conservation and everything there. Like we're doing some messed up stuff to the planet and to animals. A lot of things that people don't, don't realize because it's not big news and a thing, you know, tiger King comes out and people think this is like the greatest thing ever. I didn't watch it because I couldn't watch it. Like there's no way I could watch that and be like, yeah, this is entertaining. Cause it's like, no, like just the concept of it. I'm like, you guys realize like, this is, this is not good stuff. So, I mean, I guess we can kind of talk about that. What are some things 
conservation wise that just maybe that people don't know about or maybe need to learn and kind of open their perspective to? Well, I mean, there's, there's so much. And as you're saying, a lot of it is not mainstream media. Like people are unaware of like, ah, so many things with animals and you can't, I mean, as an animal person, I can't expect people to like understand a lot of these things that I know about animals and so, so much of like animal interactions and um, perceptions is fear-based. Like it's like what your parents are afraid of, what your mom like pulled you away from as a kid and that like ingrained in you like oh, snakes are dangerous. Like my mom, like I should be scared of snakes. My mom like, ripped me away from one as a kid. And like so much of that shapes your perception of animals. And I mean, a lot of people, I don't know, they, they love animals, but they aren't like reading scientific articles about animals. I mean, why would you, if it's not like what you're really passionate about? So there's a lot of different things. I think the main causes that I'm kind of passionate about are like ecotourism. So not just being a tourist, but being an ecotourist that is like, you're looking, you're investigating what things you're going to do on your trip. When you go to Asia, you're investigating how people are treating the elephants that you want to take a picture with. You're um, investigating is elephant riding something that I actually can um, ethically participate in, or is this like not an ethical practice and like just do it. And I think, um, I think it's really dangerous to take the mindset of being like, you should never blah, blah, blah. Like my, my encouragement towards people is to research it. Like, I think we all have a conscience. And I think if you research things, like if you research Tiger King, I don't really, I haven't met any people personally. There's probably a couple out there that would like research and be like, I see absolutely no problem here. Uh, I think as you research these things, if you have an appreciation for the animal, as you learn about the animal, you want to see it like protected and cared for better. And so your conscious kind of factors in like, Oh, I don't like that. They're using whips on the animal. Like that's unnecessary. Like maybe I don't want to support that. And it's just like this kind of natural progression. So I think ecotourism is a main thing for me. And then also um, the misconception that like all zoos are bad, I think is like, so it's so common and it, people feel so good about it when they're like, yeah, I don't support zoos. I hate zoos. And I'm like, okay, like, like, why do you hate zoos? Oh, because I love animals. Why do you love animals? Because I grew up seeing them in zoos. Uh, like, how does that make sense? You literally learn to love animals because you went to a zoo to learn about them because that's where you learn about wild animals. Like, and humans are kind of simple sometimes. Sometimes we literally, we literally need to see something in front of us to care about it. Like, you can hear about something a million times, but like when you actually have that connection, you stand in front of an elephant and you see this thing is 11,000 pounds and like 13 feet tall in front of me. This is insane. Like, and then you have that heart connection and now you care, but how are you going to have that? Like through your little, like iPhone tape, like watching. So it's, um, I think that's a big thing that I'm really passionate about. It's getting people educated on like how to tell a good zoo from a bad zoo. And then again, if you do all the research on like what I would deem a good zoo and you still feel like your consciousness is telling you not to go, don't go. Like I'm not like trying to get anybody to abandon their conscience or their convictions or anything like that. But I think um, you have to like research it and research what these zoos are actually doing and like how animals are actually being treated and well, whether welfare for them is a priority before you toss it all aside. Because like, 
that's how so many animals have gone extinct now and we like can't even bring them back or we're like about to lose them like multiple species like i mean white rhinos right now we like don't know if we're gonna lose them or not and like that's you know without zoos they would be gone they would they would be gone we would have no way to bring them back so yeah it's it's tough and i don't want to judge anybody who doesn't have like the understanding that i have because this is what i've been interested in since i was four but i think when people take very very aggressive stances but they've never done a google search about it i'm like okay like take a minute and like present your argument to me and let's have a conversation, not just like demonizing other people or villainizing them, you know? Yeah. I think that's super, super important. I don't know if you can hear that nonsense. That's right now. I had to write down all my notes and mute it. I've got someone's cutting the, the uh, like grass or something right outside. Let me close my window real quick and then I'll be right back. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're fine. It is so loud in my ear and I'm like, what is that noise? I think somebody's cutting something outside of this one though too. So I can't, you can't I can't hear anything on yours. And I wonder I mean this mic is super sensitive, at least in my ears. So I know Zoom does a pretty decent job of, of counting that out, but who knows what of this I'll cut. But you, you brought up a really, really good point. And I know my conservation question was kind of loaded because it's like, tell me all of the problems that we have with animals. It's like, there's a lot of them. But yeah. this idea of researching and having a conversation, I think, thanks, Bella. Bella, Bella agrees with researching and having a conversation. Bella B. Bella. She doesn't like the guy that's cutting the hedges. That's fine. We're going to have this conversation anyways. Bella. <laughs> Bella. I wish I could turn my camera and show you what she's doing right now. She's literally, she's a, she's a 10 pound Havanese. She is on the window seal barking at this guy that's cutting hedges right outside. Like, I wish I could. Yeah, the camera will turn nicely. Come here, Bella. Bella. I love the heart that little dogs have. They're just. Like you can't stop me. Nope. I'm going to do it. Try. And she, and she knows I'm recording because she's like, daddy's got a headphone on. He can't move anywhere. Bella B. Come on. Come here. I'm going to put down the blinds. <laughs> oh my gosh. Every time I smile, these pop out of my ears. I'm like, <laughs> She's so cute. See, Bella? See, it's okay. He's allowed to be oh, out there. Going on. I love. Oh. So, conversation research. This idea of so many people are willing to kind of get, um, get behind a cause without really knowing much about it. It's whether it's the, the thing to do right now, whatever the, the current hot topic is and whatever it is, people get behind it and not really understand why they are behind it. Whether it's something like Tiger King it, and you know, it blew up. Obviously it's because everyone was home and we had nothing else to do but watch Netflix. It blew up and then and then the more people learned about it, they go, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. This is this is not cool. And I think so many people aren't willing to even kind of question it. They're just like, I'm going to go with whatever anyone says. All zoos are bad because they yeah. cage animals and they do this and they do this. But then you think about the conservation, like there are cases where it is something good. I don't know enough about it to really speak to it, but there are different pieces where 
you have to understand there's there's a good side and a bad side to everything, but you need to kind of have a holistic approach and understand yeah. both sides of the argument because that's what makes a good conversation. And mm-hmm. I think what ends up happening is people, instead of having an, a conversation or a debate kind of thing, they just end up having an argument because I'm stuck in my ways, you're stuck in your ways, and that's you're not going to change my mind or provide me with any additional information because I'm just kind of close-minded to the whole situation. Um, we have this, this, um, this issue with being able to kind of open up and kind of bring down our barriers and just listen to someone else that you may not agree with. A few years ago, I changed my diet. Uh, I'm pescatarian now and, and the initial reason behind it was I have friends that that is a vegan because of allergy reasons and he was training he was doing a hundred mile race he's a crazy person I, I don't run that far but he talked about all of the benefits that he had like changing his diet and how much better he felt and like his skin felt better his hair felt but like he just overall felt better and I was like I'll try anything like if it's gonna help my running I'll do it and then I read a book of why do we um uh, why do we wear cows, eat pigs, and love dogs, or something of this this concept? And the yeah. whole idea of I don't know if it was called carnism or, or something. The idea is like we basically choose which animals are like where they kind of sit. Dogs are okay to be as pet, like they're as pets, but really anything else we're okay eating. And then in other cultures, dogs become they're accessible, uh, acceptable to be eating and that sort of thing. So we kind of pick and choose what it is. And a lot of the stuff, like it opened up as this, like very, I'm going to be very informative. And it went really straight after the, um, the, the, uh, meat packing industry and like the, all that stuff. You're like, this is horrific. How could anyone want to do this stuff? And now that I'm like aware of it, it, you know, again, before it was just because of this running idea, but now I'm aware of it. It's like, no, I'm like, I'm trying to make better choices with that. But then also to the same mindset is I'm not going to tell someone that you're wrong for eating chicken. I go, but from the things I've read and the things I've seen, unless you can ethically get that, then I don't see the point. What I have a friend that he is a hunter and he's not a hunter for sport. He's a hunter for, for meat. They basically they'll deer season will come and they'll shoot one or two deer and that's the meat they eat the entire year. They process it themselves. They do everything themselves. And it's like, Hey, more power to you because it wasn't in a plant, you know, being pumped with hormones and having no space and none of this stuff. And people are like, well, how can you be okay with that? And it's like, it's, a circle of life. Their animals are here. God put animals on this planet for us to consume and to do things with. But are we doing it in an ethical manner, which makes yeah. the, the biggest difference? Having some respect for it being another life. And I believe the same thing. Like God put these animals here and we're called to be stewards of them. And that doesn't mean like treating them like they're worthless. It's still like a creation and it's still valuable. And even if you don't believe in God, like I feel like that's a harsh line to draw. If you just believe anything that's not human doesn't have value like that, that would be pretty rough. And then, then you have to define, well, why does the human have value? And at what point does the human have value? And it's just like dangerous lines to draw that. I don't think we get to be the authority on like drawing. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's tough because you, you have to do the research and then not everybody's going to be passionate about the same, same things that you're passionate about. Like I have people try to like, get me upset about things all the time. They'd be like, I'm going to go eat a burger right now. And I'm like, go live your life. Uh, like, what, what? 
what am I going to like fight with you about it? Like I, I'm like, if you decide that you want to like learn more about the meat and dairy industry and that's something you're going to put like your passion towards or like your interest towards being respectful of, absolutely. Like, and I will like help provide resources and like encourage you in that. But I don't know. It's just, I think people also get very offended from people not sharing their passion. And it's like, I can't be mad at everybody for Mm. like, like the people who do go to like roadside zoos or whatever. And they don't understand that it's like bad for the animals. I'm like, what am I, I'm going to be angry at you. Like for not being like passionate how I am. Yeah. I, I would like, like to see it be different, but I don't believe that like, I don't know. And it's same. a lot of people who like are like political, like why doesn't anybody else care about this or whatever? Like it's what you're passionate about. You go be passionate about it. I'm passionate about animals. I'm going to be passionate about animals. Like do, do what you love. Try to get other people to love it too. Like, like try to encourage people, try to empower people, but like shaming other people will never be a good motivator for them. They're not going to feel heard. They're not going to feel like you really care about them or support them or anything like that. And I think, um, I remember hearing somebody talk one time. They're like, if you start like a, if you start a fight with somebody and you say you're an asshole, you've always been an asshole. You're always going to be an asshole. And like, here's what, like, why would that person listen to you? Right. Like, why would they have any interest in what you have to say to them beyond that? You told them how you think about them. You told them that you think that they're a terrible person and they're always going to be, and they always have been. So why should they search for your validation <clears> now? <throat> you've just pushed them completely away from caring. So I think, the like having kind of like a humble attitude of like I know what I know because I care about it you care about it you don't okay you have other things that you care about like moving forward and like wanting to share information but having that humble attitude of like not everyone is going to care about the same things that I care about and it's my job to care about what I care about and like do what I can with that and like just do the best that I can I'm not responsible for other people so yeah it's it's tough though. I mean, it's like a very, um, touchy climate right mm. now. So yeah, that, that is true. And you, you brought up like a political thing, but yeah, like everything that's going on with our country, just animal or earth conservation aside, there's so yeah. many division pieces and our pastor did a, a series. Uh, I think it was the last series he just did, but he talked about this idea. He's how many people's minds do you think you change with your Facebook post? Like that thing mm-hmm. you posted on Facebook that you were hoping to get likes for, like you do realize yeah. that the algorithm is only going to show that to people that agree with you anyways. So yeah. what, like what difference does that make? And I yeah. think a lot of people can get upset if you don't, uh, you talk about like those, the roadside zoos or that sort of thing. People, people sometimes just don't know. And that goes back mm-hmm. to your research and knowledge sharing is some people don't know how bad certain things are. And it's so, it, again, it's a humbling thing to take a step back and go, okay, if I didn't know the things I know, would I react the same way they are? And more than likely, yeah, you're going to react the exact same way because you just don't have the, the knowledge and information. But we also need to be willing on both ends of the, the spectrum to, to listen to the other side. I tell people, mm-hmm. I tell guests all the time. I have guests on the show that 
I probably disagree with with 90% of the things that we would probably talk about. But we have a common respect and understanding that we're, we're wanting to learn and we believe everyone has a purpose and, and we need to kind of push forward with purpose and intentionality. We can at least join on there. And then we just yeah. listen to each other's differences. We don't have to agree on everything. If we if everyone agreed on everything, it would be boring. Like that doesn't seem, that's not like real, real mm-hmm. life. There's no progress made because everything is just right. And we're just like, wait, what's, what do you mean? There's no, like, we need to kind of like push through different things. I think that idea of not, not understanding every piece of everything and knowing that, Hey, I need to be open and have an open conversation because I don't know what that person doesn't know, or I may not be in the circumstance that they know. You know, I, I've said this before on the show. It's like, I'm a, I'm a white male in his mid thirties in the Midwest. Like, what am I struggling with? You yeah. know, the most thing I had, I have, um, my last name is Flores. Obviously I introduced myself as Flores on the show. If you guys didn't know, that's my last name, not my first name. Um, but you know, so when I moved from, I lived in South Florida, I was born in South Florida, moved to North Carolina and we moved there and everyone's like, Hey, Mexican, get back in the tobacco field. And it was like, well, that's weird. Like I didn't understand it as, you know, a kindergartner, first grader. Mm-hmm. But then as I grew up, because because of the color of my skin, like I'm a lighter olive, like I basically I've you know, you you kind of especially in that time in North Carolina and central North Carolina, it's you were semi segregated into like you hang out with the white folks because you look more like them. And then you start getting into this mentality of, well, this is just how it is. Like these people that don't look like me are wrong. And again, they obviously weren't. I just wasn't aware because of my circumstances that I was put in. And then I go through life. I moved to South Florida and you then have to deal with all of my Hispanic family and go, Oh wait, they're crazy too. Like everybody's crazy. Like this is, this is not. And you start realizing once I became more cultured in a way, the more you're able to understand or at least listen and actually take people as like, hey, you're a human being. I respect and love you no matter what you believe, how you act, how you choose to live. I love you, period. Doesn't mean I have to agree with you. Once we can kind of get to that piece of it, I think we can then have the open conversations and really just learn from each other. Yeah, be able to say, I don't know. Or like, I don't know much about that. Like, that's okay to say that's how you like open a door for learning about things. Like you don't, not everybody has to be an expert and like die on every hill that they mention. You can, you can have conversations about things, but yeah, it's, it's crazy learning to like identify when tribe mentality is like feeding into how you're treating people or asking people. And you're like, Oh, like I'm going very lizard brain right now. Like I need to like step away from that. I think that's, that's also huge. Like, that we we do a lot of things that are not um very like kind or compassionate because it's evolutionarily wired into us but we're also um conscious enough to be able to recognize those things and to learn how to recognize them and be like "Mm, no that's that's not how i want to live my life like that's not i want to be kind i want to be compassionate i want to be empowering to other people i want to be humble how am I going to do that? And like moving through that, but you have to have self-awareness and self-awareness is a whole Mm. thing. I mean, so many people don't have self-awareness and like, that's a lot of it. I I mean, what 99% of it is not their fault. You grow up in a household that doesn't teach you to be self-aware because your parents weren't taught to be self-aware because their parents were taught to be self-aware. And 
you can, as an adult, you have a responsibility to, when you realize that you are acting in a way that you don't want to, or, um, I don't know, treating people away and you don't want in a way that you don't want to, to prioritize becoming self-aware. You don't get to use it as a crutch and just like continue to live in that once you're aware of your lack of awareness. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's yeah, again, like you can't judge anybody. You have to have empathy for these people, for for everybody You have to have empathy for yourself and realize that we're all on a journey and we're all trying to like do better every day. And everybody has their own purposes that they're supposed to be like living out. And it's not always going to be in alignment with like yours. And the expectation is on yourself, not anybody else. Yourself, how you're going to react, how you're going to treat people, how you're going to like talk to people and how you're going to make other people feel. And that's what you have like control over. And that's like it, like not other people's actions and all. Like sometimes you just have to walk away or sometimes you just have to like block a number and like, that's fine. But yeah, that's a part of, that's a part of the whole process. It's, everyone's not going to like you and you're not going to like everyone. And that's perfectly okay. But Mm -hmm. it comes down to, like you said, the self-awareness, being able to respect other people because they're people. And then, you know, we talk about with the animals, it's respecting animals because they're also God's creation kind of thing. It's like, we're all in this together in a way, you know, we're joking around here in the Midwest right now. Like, like God doesn't make mistakes, but cicadas, like what was his... Like, I don't, I don't see the, the thing that's happening here. Like what's going on with the cicadas? Yeah. <laughs> we have, there's a, a TikTok, I think it was a TikTok video I saw that talked about like, it was God talking to Gabriel and it was just like, my circadian rhythm was thrown off because of all of the violence and stuff. He's like, so I made these things that are just white noise. He's like, and we'll call them cicadas. And I'm like, Ugh. oh gosh it's they're so loud they're so loud there was one on my porch the other day and it like stopped chirping for a while and my ears were ringing because it stopped and i was like why like yeah. how far away is your girlfriend <laughs> that loud yeah oh you're gonna God. you're gonna die pretty soon how about you go back to wherever she is yeah <laughs> No, they are a weird. There's so many animals where I'm like, that's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I always have that question where I like, I'll see something and I go, okay, everything has its purpose. Everyone has their thing. I go, what is its purpose? Like, what is its thing that like, why is it here? I always joke that deer are here to keep insurance rates high. Like, and obviously I know that's not true, but it's, it's like, it's trying to figure out all of these little pieces. But yeah, the cicadas have just been, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot. There there are a lot. I'm sure y'all got more than we got down here up in, up in Ohio. Cause I, we have a lot of them up at, up where my parents live in like North, North Georgia, but where I'm at, we did not see many at all. Like it's, yeah. it's mainly like more of the Carolinas and where y'all are, I think. But I never, I never knew about these things until I moved to Ohio. Like, I mean, really? I, but I only, I lived in North Carolina for, 10, 11 years. So technically they could have just still been in the ground, like depending on which variation it was, but it was, or which species it was. And the, we were at my buddy's house 
a couple weeks ago, we had like a bourbon party and literally he was like, Hey, we're going to move it back an hour. We didn't see that. He's like, cause the cicadas are so bad and we get there. We can't even have a conversation with each other. It is so loud. And then to your same point, the sun went behind like a cloud and then they all quiet. And then we, all of us at the same time had this crazy ring and we're like, what is going? And I went into his house to get like food or a drink or something. And I was just like, I just want to stay in here. Like, let me stay in the house because it's my ears aren't ringing anymore. I'm a musician. So it's like my ears are already bad as it is. And now you add this like permanent white noise to it. Yeah. You're like, what is going on here? But yeah, I think someone, uh, Oh, it was funny. Like our youth pastor at church, he made a, a reference to cicadas and then talking about like, you know, Maybe it's kind of like life, you know. We have all of this noise going around. Like, oh, I see what you did. You turned you turned cicadas into a sermon. But he said, oh. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's very topical right now. People love that. But this idea, he said, apparently, like depending on where you're at in Ohio, you can have up to uh, 1.5 million per acre, depending on like your trees and that sort of thing. That's wow. and you're like, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's like horror movie. That's like. That's a lot. And I, I love, I love cicadas, but yeah, they're, it's a lot to handle, but I, you know, I don't know if you are, I, you probably weren't following me yet when this happened because this was like a month or so ago, but I, um, I went up to my parents' house and I was like collecting cicada skins and I was like, like taking like videos of them and putting that on my story. And like people were replying, they're like, Oh my gosh, those things freak me out. Like put it down. What are you doing? And I'm like, Man, I was the weird kid that, like, when I was like nine and cicadas were hatching, I had like a part of the railing at my parents' house that was just cicadas, <laughs> and I just lined them up. And then it rained one day, and they all like fell off the railing, and I cried. Oh my goodness! You're you're that person that the neighbors look by and be like, you need to keep an eye on her yeah, because it's cool. not going to be good for her. We don't. She needs. You need to make sure she gets into something that she's doing. That's so. But yeah, I'm not, I'm a weird, like, I'm not, I'm not afraid of bugs. Again, girlish hands here. I like it. I don't get dirty. So any, like anything that like can jump on me just scares me a little bit. Like I don't, I don't deal with any of that. I went hiking. Uh, this has been a couple years now, literally never camped before in my life. I I've never set up a tent, never did any of that stuff. And I said, you know, it'll be a really fun idea. Let's go spend three days on the Appalachian trail. Because why not? Like I've literally never camped overnight. I have no idea what I'm doing. I rented a tent and two days before I left, I put the tent together in our apartment courtyard. And the the day after that, I went hiking with all the stuff to make sure I knew how to pack it. And like I was comfortable and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, now I'm just going to go in the woods. And I literally, I dropped my car off somewhere and I had a friend. She was picking me up 40 miles later, basically. And I was just like, well, I have literally in the middle of nowhere, Virginia. And I was like, I have two options. I either die or I make it to the end here. Like it's that simple. So yeah. So, but it was like the craziest thing. Cause like, like I'm not used to not showering. I'm like a two shower a day kind of guy. Like I need, I gotta be clean. Everything's gotta just be crazy like that. And I get to the end and I'm like just covered in dirt and filth and like bugs. And like, I've got like spiders crawling up me and I'm just like, that's cool. I'm like, what? Well, yeah. you know, it is what it is. But I did get woken up in the middle of the night by a wild pony, which is not something you want to hear at two o'clock in the morning. I'm literally just like laying down and I just hear, I hear like, like a little bit of, and then I'm just like, what in the world is that? That'll, uh, you won't sleep the rest of the night. 
I didn't know there were wild ponies in Virginia. So that would really freak you out if you're not expecting that. So I think it's a um, darker rider. <laughs> yeah, I was worried about the bears because they had seen bear sightings recently. And I was like, okay, yeah. you know, prep for the bears. So then I hear this rustling and I'm like, what is that? And then like right next to my tent. And I'm like, well, I'm glad this is my last night because there's no way I'd be able to sleep another night. Camping really scares me, honestly. I'm a big outdoorsy girl, but I, I will not camp by myself. I, I can't do it because I, I hear like one like twig break. And I'm like, <laughs> like I can't, can't do it. I, um, I was traumatized though at a young age. So I think that's why when I was like, I think 11 or 12, I was like, I'm going to go camping by myself. Like I'm like big girl now. And so I went and about like a hundred feet from my parents' house <laughs> pitched its tent. And, um, and then I like took one of our dogs with me, um, and like put it with me so I wouldn't be alone. And then, um, two of my brothers came out at like one in the morning and attacked my tent pretending to be, uh, a bear. And I screamed a bloody murder. And I like, was like sitting there like with my dog and I was like, we're going to make a run for it. We're going to run for the house. And then, like, I then like ran to the house and, like, uh, yeah. And after that, anytime I would think about camping, I would just get like so much anxiety. I'm like, even though I found out it was my brother's, I was like, no, that's so traumatizing yeah. to have like the people like shaking the tent and like growling. And I was just in there screaming, nope. but that's what brothers so. Yeah, that is true. I'm the older brother, so I guess I we we convinced my brother oh. that the Blair Witch Project was a real thing, and it happened in our town in North Carolina. Uh, oh so goodness. he wouldn't walk the dog in the woods because we had like some woods and stuff like that, and he was like, "No, thank you." Yeah. I'm like, I don't know how how older brothers get so much joy from this, but you know, it's it's the thing. It's the thing we get to do. I have my dad got remarried, and I have a 13 year old sister, and I. I, I yeah. I don't like that I'm not around more often to do more of those things because I never had yeah. a little sister and now she's literally what 20 years younger than me 18 years younger than me so I'm like yeah. this is even better yeah. like I can do whatever I want oh. and I'm like basically her parent I'm glad she's being spared <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we got off this track I'm sure I did something something weird but so just to kind of we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up but the the whole idea of kind of honing in on something that you were just, you knew you were passionate about, you knew you had a drive for and kind of just cultivating that and finding out how you could do it. I want to work with animals. How can I do that? What avenues can I do? So for anyone listening, what would you say? Like if we want to do like a closing piece of advice of like, what is the one thing or a few things, a few sentences that would kind of resonate to say, Hey, like, this helped me get after it, or this is like my call to you to like do what you feel is, is what you're passionate about. Kind of follow your dreams. Yeah. Um, I would say, listen to your passion because you have it for a reason. Um, and look for anywhere that you can just get a foot in the door, like just some way. I believe that you can live a life that you're passionate about and that you're proud of. And when you do that, you're going to inspire so many other people to lean into their passion too. And so it's worth it for you, but it's also worth it for the other people that you're going to inspire. And it's just a matter of taking the first step of DMing somebody and asking for an opportunity for an internship or 
volunteering at your local nonprofit, whatever you have to do to get a foot in the door to start meeting people and start walking in that passion. Yeah. Love it. Love it. How can people connect with you? Because they need to. Yeah. Um, so my Instagram is at Kiki Myhawk. That's K-I-K-I. And then Myhawk is M-I-H-O-K. And so that's my Instagram. Um, and I think that's all, yeah, that's also my Facebook. So it's on my LinkedIn. Connect with me. And then um, my podcast is Keeper Talks with Kiki. And it's everywhere that you can get podcasts. And it's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. So. It, it yeah. really is. I listened to a few episodes the other day and I was just like, I'm excited to have her on the show. Um, but yeah, I'll have all of those things linked in the show notes. So folks, make sure you uh, check out the show notes so you can connect with Kiki. But Kiki, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a really great conversation. Thank you for having me. This is super fun. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you think so, even though with all of the <laughs> drama that we had here. But uh, <laughs> to, to everyone else, um, reach out to me on social media everywhere. Flores dot run, subscribe, leave a review of the podcast. Again, if you like interviews like this, the only way that I know that is if you tell me that. So shoot me a DM, shoot me an email, Jonathan at Flores.run and connect with me. Or you know, if someone has a cool story or does something cool or is passionate about something, reach out. I like talking to anybody. Like this is the reason why I have this thing. Um, You can visit the website, www.flores.run. I'm kind of overhauling it. It's going to look a little different, um, but same kind of content. Uh, Wearehangry.com. We've got new t-shirt colors. Got this sweet green t-shirt matches my hat. Kind of did that on purpose maybe. Um, But we have new colors on the store. Wearehangry.com making a difference for those living with the issue of hunger. Um, But yeah, I think that's all I have today. Thanks so much for joining me today. Remember to keep running with purpose one step at a time. See you next week.